Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Multiverses, Spider-Verses, Flashpoints, and Ultimate Timelines, or Alternative Timelines. Well, Alternate Timeline could count. To I guess we're getting more. Where is he going with this, everybody? <laughs> we're we're getting more multiverse content in like a year than I ever thought we would get in a lifetime, and I thought by now I would be kind of sick of it. But then every once in a while, a movie comes across that just completely makes us ignore that part and focus on something else entirely. That's right. We're talking about Spider-Man across the Spider Verse. Into the Spider-Verse. And don't worry, I no, had to it's read not into the Spider-Verse. It's across it's the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse. No, Into the Spider-Verse was the first movie. <laughs> I looked it up six times. So what's Yeah, this because one? that is a movie. That's the first one. This one is across the Spider-Verse. What's the next one? Beyond the Spider-Verse. Well, I labeled this stream wrong. So sorry, patrons. <laughs> We're going to get the one guy who's just like, wow, they're so inaccurate. One star. Yeah, I don't care anymore. So beyond care. That's actually, I want those people to come to our show and and not like us and leave. They're the the person. They're they're the people who listen to five minutes of an intro to an episode from three years ago, and they're like, these guys are way too political. One star. So anyway, what's your overall thoughts on the multiverse? Because I'm of just the multiverse concept in media, comics, etc. Because I'm of I'm of several different thoughts. One is that it's stupid and lazy and dumb and will never not be stupid and lazy and dumb. That's one side of me. That's one wolf that lives inside of me, so to speak. There's another wolf that lives inside of me that just loves like random shit of random characters and different versions of characters. And, you know, we're going to see Deadpool and Wolverine and the X-Men characters crossover with the MCU. And at some point it's like, well, the only way to really do that is just to say, fuck it, multiverse. So there's the other part of me that's like, ah, well, fuck it, multiverse. Let's have fun. And I'm torn. I, I honestly am like 50-50. You know, they're is um there's actually an article that one of our listeners posted in the second print comics fan zone let me uh let me pull it up because i want to read this because this actually kind of sums up my thoughts on this basically michael shannon was doing some promo stuff for the flash film because uh ezra miller can't for obvious reasons i'm just gonna go ahead and read these paragraphs. why can't they uh, because they are they are crazy. So I'm going to read these two paragraphs and uh, then I'll add it. But um, Michael Shannon was famously a little confused when he was asked to return for The Flash on account of General Zod getting murdered in his last on-screen appearance. And then turning into Doomsday and getting murdered again. That was kind of awkward. <laughs> quote, I'm like, they saw Man of Steel, right? And my managers were like, quote, yeah, they saw Man of Steel, but it's different. The actor called in a recent Vanity Fair interview. Quote, I'm, and I'm like, what is it? It's a multiverse. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Well, Shannon <laughs> now knows what the multiverse is. God bless is. your soul, Mr. Shannon. Yeah. And he says, uh, quote, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't quite satisfying for me as an actor. He shares a new conversation with Collider. These multiverse movies are like somebody playing with action figures. It's like, here's this person. Here's that person. They're fighting. He adds, it's not quite the in-depth character study situation that I felt that I honestly felt 
Man of Steel was. Whether people think that's crazy or not, I don't even care. I really felt like Man of Steel was actually a pretty sophisticated story. I feel like Flash is too, but it's not Zod's story. I'm basically there to present a challenge. I, I would say that that's basically it for me. I think that we're using the multiverse to basically try and force plot points and force things in the absence of actual creative storytelling and character development. I think when it's done right, it's done right. But otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. Now, I think a good example of multiverse storytelling isn't when you're having multiverses clash. I actually don't like clashes. What I like is the is like you know the Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone was like the original multiverse anthology, if you really think about it. And then in comics, that's how it really started with DC when DC was telling their Elseworld stories and stuff like that, and they were very character specific and marvel did this too in many ways at the beginning but over the like the past 10 years and i will absolutely blame jonathan hickman for this it just became a point where it's just like we're gonna grab all these things that we think people want and we're gonna try and make it mesh even when it doesn't uh case in point miles morales does not belong in the 616 universe um you know the maker doesn't really because he's black you're saying because fuck you um <laughs> i just want to clarify stop. for the audience there could be new people tuning in they might just make some assumptions on based on what you're saying i just want you to clarify i can't your believe position. he i can't believe he said that one thar one thar of you so i mean i i think it i think it for that guy only gave us three so like even the guy that hates us is like eh, but they're they're okay they're pretty thumb time three thars it's like either give us a one or a five don't be a middling don't be one of those people. But yeah, so I mean, I, I think it I think it forces things to happen that wouldn't otherwise happen. I also think it's funny, too, that like everything else, uh, Marvel's eating DC's lunch. Um, DC was the first one to write the multiverse stories. They usually have the best ones, but Marvel got to it first. And when Flash comes out next week, it's gonna it's gonna appear the same way. So those are my thoughts. I think multiverse storytelling is fine. I just think we're not seeing the best of it on screen. Indeed. Well, you know, I was so excited for the Flash movie. I did something very rare because the rest of my family doesn't want to see the movie. Did you pre-order tickets? Just for me. I'm going by myself. Except now I'm not because I'm not going to be able to make it and have to do something else for work. So that's the, that's the roller coaster ride of me and the Flash movie. So now I probably will go back to when I keep saying, yeah, I'll probably see it next weekend for three weeks. Hmm. Yeah, it's been a rough day, Renzo. Anyway, let's Ouch. get into the movie. Let's let's change the get, vibe here. Did you get here. the refund of your ticket, or did you just roll it over to I haven't even looked into that yet. <laughs> I think I can get a credit for some sense. You can get a credit, yeah. Yeah. But um, anyway, the the speaking of being done right, I, I will say, like, I, I would prefer, if there's going to be multiverse anyway, if we're going to have action figures playing with each other, essentially, uh, I like it better when it's done, well, ultimately with a good story. And I think that's why these movies have connected pretty well. It's because they do have a pretty good story and they do have a pretty interesting character as the lead in Miles Morales, who does feel distinct from Peter Parker. He does feel like an individual. He does feel like an entirely different character, which is often the problem with a lot of this multiverse stuff. It just feels like different iterations of the character. Whereas with the Spider-Verse stuff, it's not like we weren't going to get a a Spider-Punk movie. We weren't going to get a Spider-Man Noir movie. We weren't going to get these characters any other way. So I'm okay with this as this is the only way you're going to get all this nonsense is by if we do a crazy wild movie like this. And that's how you're going to get Spider-Man 2099 and all these other iterations of Spider-Man that you just never would have seen in any way if it were, if it yeah. were not for this movie. None of these were ever going to have their individual properties. None of these were really going to ever have their own thing other than maybe some strange cameo appearance. And if that's the case, 
let's just strange cameo appearance, everything in, into one movie, or in this case, three movies now. But nonetheless, uh, I much prefer it like this, where even as, as weird as it is to say, it still sort of, sort of feels contained in its own way. It's still, it's all centered around Spider-Man instead of, of us having to think about multiple universes and a, a, just an, an, an unlimited number of iterations of other characters as well. Yeah, um, my big three points, and we can kind of jump into that, and I'd like to kind of hear your takeaways. Three points? Was this a research paper? Um, no. What is this, cable no. news? All right, go well, on. It's just it just keeps things it keeps things succinct for the people that only listen. By the time you get to three, I'm going to forget the first one. But go okay. on. Best animation in an animated film ever. This is the Remzo Awards. This is the Remzo Awards. I will say this is the best animated film ever created. Period. Just from an artistic perspective. Two. It delivered on everything I was expecting from the sequel. I knew going in that this was basically going to be split into two parts because they had. They had already announced that beyond. I'm the glad someone told you because I had no idea. And just like I did with the Dune movie, I'm like, I always know these things exist, but somehow I'm out of the loop on the fine details. So just like I did with Dune, I'm sitting there two hours in and I'm like, how are they going to wrap this up? This is going to be such a rushed ending. And it never it literally never occurred to me once that this is going to be a to be continued because that's how dumb I am, I guess. Uh, that's how boomery I am. I'm just like, well, they're, they sure are going to have to wrap up this movie soon. And then suddenly to be continued. I'm like, son of a bitch. I mean, I was like cram two books in 10 minutes. Yeah, essentially. So, so, so I mean, I, I kind of knew that going in as far as this movie was concerned, it gave me everything I wanted. It's really hard for sequels to continue character development, but I feel like this is the first film where Miles is actually Spider-Man and confidently Spider-Man and that we're finally continuing to see him in that role, especially as he's trying to figure out where he is in this vast Spider-Verse of other Spider-Man, especially when we get to the spoiler alert, the fact that he is an anomaly. And uh, third, the only things that took me out of it were some of the uh, not so subliminal political meandering with the blm button and i don't think i saw it in the film but i know it was in the trailers because a bunch of people got mad about that it was the protect trans kids sticker in um in gwen's room and now apparently the alphabet mafia is trying to claim that spider gwen is trans which i'm like you can't fucking take her (laughs) you don't get to just immediately like just say well this person is trans now because where will where will it stop so um, you know, I don't know if that's a studio a different thing. multiversal version of a young Remzo may have may or may not have had a crush on that cartoon. So you're not going to take her. No, you're not going to kind of what you're trying to tell me. Basically. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm team Gwen. Fuck MJ. Oh, that's another thing, too. I, I, I don't know if anyone noticed this, but we got to see an animated version of Mary Jane Watson at the beginning of the film, too. And guess what they did to that redhead? Made her black. So it's just like, you know, some of the things that they that they continue to do. I mean, she they, was I don't even I don't even remember at, that. at, at I the didn't beginning, at the beginning at of the film, at the beginning of the film. Peter B. Parker's seeing, version. No, oh, at okay, the beginning of the film, you see uh, Gwen as the drummer for a band called the Mary Janes. The uh, chick at the microphone is Mary Jane Watson. Oh, okay. yeah. So it's just another thing where it's like, you know, they try and put out a good movie, but they have to, you know, click on all their ESG talking points and stuff. It's like, you can't just leave it alone. You can't can't just just let it, you can't just leave it alone. You can't just let everyone enjoy it. You have to turn it. You have to have us have this part of the show. 
but I, I'm not going to let that take away from my overall score of the movie, which I know we'll get to later. But those are my big things. It's it's great. I mean, it's it's the best animated film ever done. Um, story wise, the character development is great for Miles. And three, it's just the the political poking that it does at people, which just pissed me off. All right, if we're going to do talking points, let's see if I can keep track. I'll try to I'll try to go one on one. The O'Reilly yours. spin zone. Come on. I'm not going to argue with you on on the animation. I mean, there were such unique different aspects to it and unique different feels to different worlds and different characters. It was kind of like that scene from Multiverse of Madness where they're going through the different worlds, but that was only a, a small glimpse of the movie. But this was done way better and oh throughout the gosh, course yeah. throughout the course of a two and a half hour movie. And it's really incredible how they got the distinct feels of, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, anime, like any style you can imagine just perfectly blending together, which I can't say I've ever really seen uh, on screen before that many different styles exist, coexisting throughout the entirety of a film. Uh, So I'm not going to really argue with you on the animation. I can't really say that I can think of anything that was better animated than this. I mean, it really... It, it was it's a visually captivating movie in a sense they they did things too that are hard to even describe um in, have in you seen people com- have you seen people compare clips of the footage from into the spider-verse to across the spider-verse i can't it, even keep track of which movies which anymore okay the first one so. to this one <laughs> the first one to this one i thought the first one set the bar really high but if you compare how things look you will see differences between this movie and the first one. And this movie, if we thought the first one just really upped the scale, this one surpassed it by miles again. Not meant to be a pun. Not meant to there. be a pun. Did you know that they, uh, the uh the Lego scene was actually animated by some 14-year-old kid? I, I read that story the other day. Basically, Child labor is fine as long as it's for a, a big budget uh, movie. Apparently. Well, you know, Hollywood's always been good with child labor. But uh, yeah, the kid did that apparently within 30 days. And they had already cut the movie, but they saw him do the uh, the Lego trailer, uh, which I shared in the fan group. And that was really cool. So they reached out to him in January. They said, do you think you could do this in a month? So the kid went ahead and did it and they sent it in. And um, I mean, that was that that's cool right there. That's so freaking cool. So that's I mean, I thought head. that was crazy, too, because I, I remember being a kid in 2002 when the Spider-Man Lego set came out. And that was like all the rage for Lego collectors at the time, too. So to see that in there, I mean, this film just checked off so many things. I mean, it was it was nostalgia galore on so many levels. I guess that explains why we didn't see that Lego Peter Parker the rest of the movie, because it wasn't originally part of the movie. He was just kind of like inserted. But I imagine we will in the second one. Yeah, it's kind of like Black Adam, where they're filling in things like three days before the movie comes out. And it's like, hurry, cram in Superman. Get me Cavill. (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I'm with you on the story. I thought the story was great. Uh, as much as as multiverse concept can be can lead to laziness, they did it in a way that it it didn't really feel lazy. And each character that we're meeting now, I, I'll get to my my sore points in a minute. But each, generally speaking, each character that we meet feels genuine and, and feels like they have their own motivation in many ways, even while we're meeting in this case, I think there was something like 280 different versions of a Spider-Man in this movie that, that I read. But the ones that we actually meet, we probably meet like as in here, here from, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 of them. And they all kind of, they all really do feel like unique characters. They don't just feel like Spider-Man with a different suit on them. Uh, ben Riley Spider-Man, maybe my favorite Spider-Man in this. Oh, my gosh. I was wondering how Andy Samberg would sound as Ben Riley. That was so freaking funny. 
it, it, I don't know. I'm not gonna, I, don't, I mean, this is a spoiler filled review. We will spoil the movie. So if you've gotten this far and are wondering if that's gonna happen, it Sorry. is gonna happen. But I, I don't, I, some things you can't spoil. Like, I can't really spoil, like, how apparently it was Andy Samberg. I didn't know it came across as, as Ben Riley and just how they approach different characters, not just his, vo- not just his tone of voice, not just the way he spoke, just the, the, and how that blends with the different animation style. Like he has this grittier nineties animation style about him too. Um, spider punk. I mean, like characters like that were such, and this ties back into what you're saying about the animation, like such unique things done with animation that I've never seen done before, especially in the case of the spider punk scenes and how they worked him in and, and how, again, that blends with the different styles, of the different characters that carry over into each scene. It really is incredible. And then the story, the story was done so well uh, that you really understand the motivations for certain characters, even characters that sort of play the role of bad guy for a time, like Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099 kind of does. Uh, you understand their motivations. So they even when they're sort of villainous in the moment, uh, there are those shades of gray there. And you kind of understand you've seen the human side of every character. You see Miguel O'Hara having been through, uh, you know, seeing a reality get wiped away because of not respecting the canon. So he has seen what, what can happen if something, if an anomaly like miles gets, gets loose. Uh, so you really do understand the motivations for these characters and they blend them all together with the various animations. It's awesome. Uh, it's, uh, we'll get to our scores at the end, I guess. I don't even know my score yet. I, but in terms of an enjoyable movie, it's really hard to top this, especially if you are any kind of Spider-Man who has been a, a fan of any... There's stuff in there that our son was there. I mean, it's just me and him that went to see this. He was getting references I didn't get because he's seen certain cartoons and 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 video games like the PS4 Spider-Man he was freaking out about. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize mm-hmm. that one. So it kind of had something for everybody. Like, I'm recognizing these 70s and 80s uh, Spider-Man characters. He's recognizing this. So, I mean, really, if you've been a Spider-Man fan of any generation, you're probably not going to get every single character because because then I don't know what kind of mega. You're going to have to watch this movie multiple times just to catch all of them. For sure. Um, so the way they blended all of that together and please the fans while still giving us a good story, not just a not just tossing out the story in favor of fan service. Uh, somehow they did both pretty darn well, I would say. So uh, we can get into more of the finer details of the story, I guess. But I, I guess since we're just going to lay it all out there, I will give a few of my my problems with the movie. There are a couple. Uh, one of them, way too long. It's way too long, Remzo. Two and a half hour movies should not fucking exist. I have a question, though. Did unless it feel like a, a two really and a half hour long movie? Yes. Yeah, okay. I did. I, I enjoyed it, but I was like, all right, this is long. Now, maybe this is a part of uh, my age, and as I get older, wanting to spend less and less time in the theaters, having less and less uh, of, a, of a bladder control, that I'm not making it through a two and a half hour movie, which really pisses me off, because then at some point, because I'm, I'm going to get the popcorn, you see, and if I get the popcorn, I'm going to get the soda to wash it down, you see. So, you know, halfway through that movie, I'm, there's no way I'm getting through a two and a half hour movie. An hour and a half movie, I can get through. Now, I wouldn't complain about a long movie if it's justified. Endgame had to be that length. I'm okay with it. Infinity War had to be that length. Eternal sure as fuck didn't. So it all all depends. There there is a spectrum here. Eternal shouldn't have existed. Um, Now, most of this movie was good. It's like it's not like I was bored. Like, come on, when's going to end? But I I did feel the length at some point because I think there was a lot of extra stuff in here that didn't need to be. There was maybe seven different scenes of Miles talking to his mom, essentially saying the same fucking thing. A lot of these talking scenes were really, really drawn out. And I just felt there was a lot in there that didn't need to be. And there was also a little issue to me that the movie itself isn't sure who the lead character is because it's kind of Miles, 
but it's kind of Glenn. And it feels like my, Miles, but in the beginning, for the first 20 minutes, it's all Glenn. You don't even know that we're going to see Miles in the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then it's mostly about Miles, but then we divert back to Glenn. And there's a different, and I'm not saying there shouldn't be different storylines, but it does feel like the movie isn't even sure who the main character is, isn't really sure who we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to be following here. Who's, who's real crisis? Is it Gwen's crisis with her dad? Is it Miles' crisis? Like there's, there's kind of two almost separate, but of course, interlapping storylines there. And I think that lack of complete focus is somewhat of what hurt the, you know, added to unnecessarily to the length. I think they could have cut a lot of stuff out. Of course, now I'm, I guess I'm anti-trans if I say they should have cut some Gwen stuff out. But I think you got to, you got to pick a character to really be your focus. And they, they had trouble doing that. So I, I think I they could have like got 20, story. 30 minutes from this easy. And then I would have think it was almost a perfect movie. Yeah, I feel like if the film had just focused on Gwen that would have been an easy way to cut like half of the time there because only when she, when we're seeing it from her point of view is the story moving. When it hits the miles, it kind of stays stagnant. When we're on Gwen, it's moving because it, it does have a lot to do with, with what's going on of her. So yeah, I, I totally agree. It should have just fixed with one point of view, kind of like what infinity war did with Thanos. Yeah. It had like half the Avengers here and there, but really it was a, fa- a Thanos point of view movie that moved mm-hmm. everything else along. Right. And this almost felt like it started off as a Gwen Stacy point of view movie and it, it kind of it couldn't make up its mind. You know, at times it switches back to Miles and then it's a Miles movie. Then it switches back to Gwen and it's sort of a, a Gwen movie with a Miles sidebar. And I think I, I get what they're trying to do. I know what they're trying to do, Remzo. Please, everyone. That's what they're trying to do. And that's always that's always where these things go wrong, you know, because if you cut out a little too miles, you cut too much miles, you're anti-black. If you cut too much Gwen, now you're anti-trans or whatever, you know, whatever. So you got to please everybody. And these two check all the boxes. So I guess they got to try to find the balance. And I just feel like that with the little the few of the things you mentioned, um, I don't mind black Je- Jessica Drew, but I kind of mind black Jessica Drew, who's five months pregnant. And then a few months later, five months pregnant. Uh, I know it's because comics were not supposed to think about things like that. By the way, is it safe to be riding a motorcycle and tra- traversing the multi- multiverse with the, when you're with child? But I guess when babies don't matter, you can't really tell matter. her what to do. Yeah, exactly. So um, that, that being said, that stuff is relatively minor. Um, but I, I really do think that. I, I shouldn't feel bored ever. And it's not that I felt bored. I should never think when's this going to end. And I, I started feeling that because of some extended scenes that just really felt like they were, it almost feels like now movies feel like they need to be two and a half hours. Like there's some ultimatum out there. Like now we're going to movie. This is what movies are. Movies are two and a half hours. So you start with that premise and then you build, you insert a movie into that instead of just making a fucking good movie. And there's, there, a, there's a reason why. And it's all me. because of the pandemic. It's because they hate me. It's because they hate you, too. It, it's because they're trying to justify people going to go see these in movies. It, it's why, you know, like 2020 changed the whole theater industry. I only go to movie theaters if I'm going to also get served dinner. And that's a big thing. Have you noticed that a lot of movie theaters, I don't know how it is where you're at, but like they they have like dine-in service. They have like, you know, ushers come and like p- give you a menu and stuff like that. Like you're paying like a full premium price for gourmet food in some cases so the whole movie theater experience is changing but in terms of the movies what you'll see especially for stuff like hulu and disney plus and max if a movie is under 90 minutes it's immediately going to streaming the only way they can justify putting a film in theaters it seems and expect it to get some return is if it's 120 minutes or more interesting because i'm almost trying to make it an experience I'm almost thinking these two movies that we're going to get out of this could be one two and a half hour movie in the end. Instead of instead, they're like, well, let's make it two two and a half hour movies because that's what we do now. I, I have I, a prediction I, why they focus so much on Rio, though. 
the know. mother. Oh, I don't even know her name. That's how much that's how much I blacked her out of my mind. <laughs> that was not a never mind. Go ahead. I, I think, and this is a prediction, and I can't spoil this because this is in the comics. I think they're trying to emphasize more of a focus on the mother in this film and try and get people to attach more to his mother because they're gonna kill her in the third movie. Well, it's not working at all. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheer so hard. I'm gonna be so happy when she passes. No, what would what what'll get me is if they kill the dad, which that's what they feel like. I mean, that's what feels like could happen. It would what yeah, they killed the mom. I'm gonna be like, oh, okay, thank God, thank God dad's alive. <laughs> well, they killed him. So he wasted funny. half my movie last year. What's funny is they killed the mom in the comics, and then Jonathan Hickman brought her back, and then they killed um uh Captain Morales in the PS4 video game. And that pissed people off because they were like, no, the dad's cool. Kill the mom. So I don't like, like when they bring back humans. I don't like when they bring back any deaths in uh, comics, but especially when it's just regular people. And then they have to like, it's like if they brought back uncle Ben right now. And it was just supposed to be like, okay, forget 60 years of shit. I'm uh, shocked that no one has, has anyone ever tried to bring back uncle Ben? That's they been brought like a, him. They've brought him back for like moments here and there. Like they brought him back in the Spider-Man nineties cartoon for a scene in the, in the series finale. To, but he wasn't like resurrected. No, he wasn't. He's never resurrected. He's always brought back from some multiverse or something. And then he's instantly put back in the uncle, uncle Ben shed. Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy. I believe there is the code dictate that they are not to be brought back. Now, of course, Gwen, we've seen as spider Gwen and, and other iterations, but in the official canon, I believe those, characters are like they're pretty hard line cannot oh yeah and, and once they kind of fuck with that like it pisses people off and they've retconned it so many times like there was the one where she had twins of norman osborne and then recently nick spencer went ahead during his amazing spider-man run he went ahead and retconned that so that never happened that was like a mysterio illusion or some shit like that so like it, it never it never matters and then they tried to bring back gwen during like the dark web thing but that it turned out to be you know a hallucination type of thing it's never real so yeah it's one of those mandates where it's like they're never gonna fuck with it here's my here's my biggest point of confusion and you being a stickler for canon maybe you can explain this for me so this is really i think some people got confused with it this is a sony movie but they recognize and acknowledge what has happened in the MCU as far as Spider-Man goes. Because of that, things are getting a little confusing. One, we know that obviously Venom is canon to everything. We had a Venom cameo at the end of No Way Home. We had a Spider-Man cameo at the end of Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And this what do you movie- think, by the way, of the, the sort of live action uh, intrusion into the Venom verse? Not by uh, not by our titular character but by the villain of this uh, so we'll discuss in a the bit spot. the spot i thought that was hilarious with mrs chow i thought that was the best way to do it <laughs> i thought that was funny i thought that it's was a perfect. tea i like it because it's like a tease like we could do this we could actually go all the way here but without actually like having to you know, bring in the it wasn't the so hardcore yeah doing yeah. the full interaction with eddie brock party save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It would have been like a little too much without giving us more that would of a have felt movie too slapsticky. That. Agreed. So yeah, I think it was the best way to just tease us and remind us, like, all right, which really makes it clear if there was any confusion, 
not that there's like multiverses and multiverses. I don't know, but the, this Spider-Man multiverse does exist in the same overall multiverse as our MCU because it's established that it's connected to, that the Venom multiverse is one of them, and it's also established that and Venom through Spider-Man No Way Home through Eddie Brock going you know back and forth is established to be one of those multiverses as well. So t- theoretically, now what I wonder is if these characters cross over. Do would live action characters see animated characters, or is the animation supposed to be what like we how we see it? You know what I mean? Well, that's that's what's confusing me. So like in in Loki and, and everything in terms of time. So there's time travel, then there's multiverses. You have the rules for time travel, which is created in Avengers Endgame, and then Loki tapes takes a step further with the concept of anomalies. I think their concept of anomalies is still what applies to the spider-verse however in the spider-verse they make it clear that the multiverses are not a cause of fragmented timelines but then in like morbius or other movies you have stuff where it's like vulture from no way home is now suddenly in morbius which is all in the venom verse and they didn't even bother explaining that no no that was so fucking. here's vulture (laughs) yeah so it's like do the rules for how the sacred timeline and anomalies and multiverses apply in the, in the main MCU, do they seem consistent in the spider verse? Because part of me wants to say they do other parts of me want to say that they've just created their whole other thing and they don't care what Marvel has to say about it. Uh, I think they, they fit it in as much as they can, but not to the point that they're going to stress about too much about it if it doesn't exactly work because it's not their fucking movies. So, so you didn't see any major continuity flaws of that? No, I think. Well, here's the biggest flaw I, I think, and it's not even it's it's the naming of the universes. But then it's like who names universes? Because so in the first Spider Verse, they called their universe the six one six, I think, or no, it's something with Peter B. Parker's universe. Yeah, they said Peter B. Parker was from the six one six, but actually he's not from. This 616, because our 616 is Tom Holland and Doctor Strange. And they kind of reference that in the in the movie. Well, there is a reference to like the Doctor Strange, Tom Holland, like reference. But they rename that universe. But they call that like 1999 or something, right? I believe it, it was. It's 616199999. He he goes on and like adds a bunch of numbers to okay, it. Okay, so yeah. that's what it is. So yeah, there's like so there's kind of more than one 616, but then it's like who is who is even in charge of name? Maybe, maybe to this universe, that's 616. But if I'm universe, if I'm in this universe, I'm calling mine one no matter what. So it's like, like every, Taiwan versus Republic kinda, of yeah. China. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's what it is, right? Maybe yeah. maybe who actually is the arbiter of what what is number what universe? That was only the thing that stood out to me that they're calling the the Peter B. Parker version 616, but that's not our 616. Our 616 is this other one that has that, but that's like, that's minor quibble shit. I think overall, and like they call things different. Like they call it, uh, it's what they're calling the the canon is kind of like the equivalent of the sacred timeline kind of Mm -hmm. in a way, but that's confusing too because the Loki thing, the sacred timeline is like literally because Kang is, is trying to streamline because the, he who remains is trying to streamline the timeline. And so I'm not sure how that relates to like the spider verse timelines. Cause there's also this thing where they, they actually showed what almost looked this exactly the same um, at one point when Spider-Man 2099 is explaining the whole multiverse thing in the branches that it's almost the same scene from Loki, uh, the same visual and so, sort of what we saw in Spider-Man no way home, that sort of like multiversal branching off energy stuff. Uh, so it seems to be like they're tr- messing with the same concept, but 
in a, in their own little spider way because in this version it's like the spider-man that can connect everything together whereas in the sort of the mainline loki world kang world it's it's not really based around one character it's it's just the the timeline in general yeah i think that's one of the weird things that Whew, i was exhausted. um that make any one, sense because <laughs> it, it did but you know i think that's one of the one areas where it's like ignoring canon material comes at its own cost because in the in the comics in which we start to learn about the Spider-Verse and everything, it's far more mystical. You've got Morlin and his like spider vampire family. I know nothing about the Spider-Verse in the comics. Nothing. Basically, it's all mystical. It's more magic than anything else. And they're connected by the spider spirit, which connects to Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. And what these evil vampires are doing is they're going and hunting Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse in order to gain the power of like this evil spider god. So that is, you know, that's a, I don't think it could, I don't, I, I was always hoping we'd see Moreland in a movie. He was really cool in the early 2000s and stuff. But like, you know, that's one of those things where that would have, that would have been clear. Whether people liked it or not, whether it was cool or not is a different thing. But that was at least clear. Here, they tie everything back to the, the, the focus point of canon. And that kind of contradicts what they're doing with the whole multiverse stuff where it's like if they're so different, if they're allowed to be variants of each other, because I think we need to remember that anomaly is simply, a um, you know, a, a, a variance who's not allowed to exist. I mean, that kind of. That kind of confuses things a bit. Because why can't Miles exist? So Miles is an anomaly. Why? Because they fragmented. It's it's a unique. Well, he does exist in other universe. Well, yeah. I mean, that, we'll, we'll get into but, that. But, I guess. But in, in him being Spider Man, is he anomaly? Because he's is he anomaly? Because there was a branch in the timeline, or is he anomaly? Because it was two multiverses colliding. Two you multiverses I mean? colliding. Well, they, they say <laughs> that the spider came from another multiverse. No, he came from another universe, not, not another multiverse. He what came from universe forty two. That make. Well, a multiverse is a bunch of universes. It's a, a multiverse that describes all the all the universes. There's not there's no such thing as another spider multiverse. came. From- really, if we really want to get into the nitty gritty, anything beyond the term universe is stupid in in re, in real life. I mean, when they talk about oh, we've discovered multiple universes, so there's a multiverse. Well, no, then that that just means we're expanding what we know of as the universe because by definition, everything is a universe. So there's no such thing as anything beyond the universe. So, so they're so they're basically trying to say the spider should not have been them. Which is what Miguel Hara does say. The whole point of the movie is that the spot and the the Alchemex brought over this spider from another universe. But that's what's weird because that spider, it's kind of made clear that spider should have bitten Miles in that universe. So there Mm -hmm. still should have been a Miles that was Spider-Man, just not this Miles in this universe. Uh, Okay. That's why he blames him for his his Spider-Man's death. Right. Because there is a Spider-Man. However, when he goes into the universe, he's in at the end of the movie. His mom is like, what's Spider-Man? Exactly. Well, that's because there was never a Spider-Man in that universe. Oh, so he deprived another universe of having of a Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Oh, exactly. okay. He should have been that Miles. The the Miles that becomes the Prowler. At the end, we're just going all over the place. So I hope you've all seen the movie. Uh, the, the Miles that is the Prowler at the end should have become Spider-Man in that universe. And I think that would not have been an anomaly. I think the anomaly is that that spider from that universe got pulled over by Alchemex, and then that spider bit our Miles, and that was the anomaly that ended all, that also resulted in the death of this universe's Peter Parker and the creation of this Spider-Man Miles, who is the anomaly, which, also, which causes all sorts of havoc, including one of those, those effects being 
that the miles of that original universe that should have been Spider-Man is now the Prowler in that universe. Still, why would the teenager become the Prowler? Like his his uncle was the Prowler and works for him. Like, how did he flip that relationship around anyway? That's what I want to know. That, that'll be interesting. To how see. did he become the boss? Mm-hmm. Okay, you that, think, that all makes sense now. Uh, what did you think also of the appearance of a uh, childish Gambino, Donald Glover as the Prowler, thought- which was teased in the first Spider-Man movie because he said, oh, "I got a I got a nephew, Miles." You know, in the in, in the first Homecoming. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was too funny. I I think uh, Donald Glover deserves as much attention for this as possible because he's the reason why we have Miles Morales. And I mean, he was he really pushed it in the show community when he was like pseudo lobbying for the role. Um, He was, uh, you know, he was a voice of Miles in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon and for him to continue to be the prowler in this stuff. I hope we can actually see him in the full role in a live action uh, spider-man movie but for us to see him in this actually interacting with miles i thought was hilarious yeah all right so why don't we talk a little bit more about some of the finer points of the movie here like wh- first of all we haven't really talked about much about the villain the who the primary villain anyway which is this character of the spot i had never heard of this character in my life but he is from the comics Yes, he is from the comics. Uh, He appeared in the 1990s. He actually plays a more significant role in the 1990s Spider-Man cartoon. He was a a scientist who worked for Wilson Fisk, who was dealing with temporal technology. And um, yeah, that was that was basically his gimmick. He was never he was never really a villain. He was always a, a, a victim of his own science experiment who wants to do right. But he always falls back into his own villainous ways. All right. And he was portrayed by. I thought you would know. I know he the was voice by the guy from all the Wes Anderson movies ever made. All the Jason. Sw- oh, that was Jason Schwartzman. Jason That's not even who I thought yeah. it was. Never mind. I thought it was somebody else. SBC, where we don't always know what's going on, but we do. We our do best. it in the moment. We do it in the moment. Uh, so what did you think of that character? So his basically he he jokingly somewhat at first it seems like a joke he calls himself he's 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 miles morales's nemesis you know he's spider-man's nemesis but as we later learn his origin um he was actually the one who miles like hit with a bagel when he was running out in the the very first spider-man so it's like an interesting tie-in there and then uh essentially he is the one that was working on the multiversal uh collider that brought over the spider that ended up biting miles as we discussed a moment ago and when miles um caused the hulk or fuffle as we saw in the first movie and the explosion uh the resulting explosion turned this scientist into the spot essentially where he basically can like travel at first it's just powers like to travel within the same universe but then like through these different spots in him but eventually he sort of like eats himself (laughs) and ends up inside himself and that ends up giving him access to the entirety of the multiverse and that is when he really goes from sort of comical villain to like oh wait this guy can take over and destroy the multiverse so i think they did a pretty good job of introducing him he almost seemed like he might have been a throwaway character at first because he's kind of comes across so silly he doesn't even understand his own powers that well um and his sort of bravado and confidence in wanting to confront spider-man because they're they're tied together they're mortal enemies and we sort of write him off as a joke by the end of this i mean he is the one threatening the life of of you know miles dad um and he's really the centerpiece of of the whole movie and again this comes back to what i was talking about earlier where miles was the anomaly the spot exists because of the anomaly in the first place. So they are really tied in together. And you could say, well, it's not miles fault. Yes. He is essentially the anomaly that created the spot. That's creating this, all this destruction to the multiverse. <sighs> yeah. He's cool. <laughs> this is why the, <laughs> the multiverse is exhausting. Even when it's done well. Yeah. This is an Avi Arad contribution to Avi Arad still has a lot to do with um I don't know if he has much to do with the MCU films these days, since he's kind of been pushed away, but he's still very much involved in a, uh, 
the Marvel content over at Sony. And when the writer, when the directors and the writers were looking for a villain for this and they were explaining the concept, he was like, you got to use the spot because uh, he he's, he's in the comics. He has his capability, but it's never been brought to this extent. Uh, believe it or not in the comics, the ones who, uh, the, the guy who's responsible for actually introducing the main 616 Peter Parker to Spy- to uh, Miles in the Ultimate Comics was Mysterio. So for them to base it around the Spidey villain who has his capability somehow uh, is still really cool. And I thought, you know, just visually it was awesome. Like their fight scene is just so funny and and so interesting since neither of them really know how to fight each other. Uh, you see him messing up at the beginning, but by the time he goes to uh, Mumbatten to see the Indian Spider-Man when he takes over that one collider, like he looks terrifying. When you could take somebody who looks like a joke and then turn them into like you know a massive threat you've done a good job what do you think of uh pavita Prabarker? <laughs> i don't get why they have to call him i don't know why they have to call it moon batten it's like an entire it's like an entire planet that's just indian themed well i think it's i think it's man yeah somehow manhattan why not just indian why not themed. just say it's in mumbai like that was my thing like why not just say so. why not just put him in mumbai yeah, and said they had to like, yeah, either the whole planet is Indian themed or history played out. The thing is, that's weird. I was like, so did history in this universe play out where like India was the world empire and they ended up creating New York? But then that doesn't make sense because he also says, well, this is where the British stole all the stuff from us. So wait, wait. So what did happen in this world that you're that you guys? Are I didn't like in, a, in the movie, in the movie Big Hero 6 in like 2014. I like uh, the film a lot. Yeah, well, in the comics, it takes place in Tokyo, but to make it more acceptable to like a Western audience, they they remade it and renamed it San Fran Yokio, which I thought <laughs> was stupid. Heaven forbid like, something actually be foreign. Yeah, I'm like, that's that's kind of fucking weird. So the kids won't be afraid. Yeah. I've Foreigners. Um, yeah. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite Spider-Man in this movie? Who? That is that is tough. Well, I, mm-hmm, it's it might be tied. I don't know. I'll tell you who I'm who I'm. Well, there's three. There's three that I just love for different reasons, the way they were portrayed in the movie. Um, so this is in no particular order. Spider Punk, a character I was not familiar with before, but I, I love the character. I love how they did the art and really just blending the different types he, of art. He, I'll tell you right now. He was my favorite. Yeah, uh, and it's just the way they did him was really cool. And then when he took off his mask, I'm like, oh, it's just this guy. I'm like, no, that actually that looks like how he should look like that. It looks like he's like Lenny Kravitz, basically, yeah. um, uh, but with like a British punk flair. And I really like that. It, it was kind of subtle, but I really like his role. What turns out to be his role again, spoiler filled, uh, you know, the reason Gwen has her her own wristwatch at the end is because Spider Punk in that scene when they're walking through was like slowly grabbing little parts and putting it together, and then he slipped it to her. Uh, so he was actually like sort of working to help them the whole time from the very beginning, but it's really subtle, and that's like kind of why he was there. And I think it's just kind of interesting how they portray him as this sort of like anarchist who's a loner and doesn't believe in the systems, but also is part of this sort of greater Spider Verse thing. And it's really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how he's used in the second one. But he he was really a standout for me. And then, um, yeah, I guess he would be my number one because the other one I'm going to mention is was more of to me just comedic relief, but done really well. And that was what I mentioned earlier: the Ben Riley, ang- the Ben Riley angst ridden uh, Spider Man. I just loved every time they went to him. It was just struggling perfect. with the memories of my past. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so good. It was just everything. 
it was such a 90s i mean he's such a 90s spider-man uh every everything's angry everything's gritty and they nailed the art with him so i just i just loved his appearances and i love that he is sort of part of the uh the big guns at the end who uh miguel o'hara sends to go try to take down miles it's it's really just the ones he trusts it's himself jessica drew spider-man who I could have done with that with, but whatever. Uh, you know, she had she neither added nor subtracted much, except she was just there. But we all know why she was there, as she was there, and um, yeah. And then, uh, of course, I did love just seeing the on-screen portrayal for the first time. Well, not the first time. The first time was the end credit scene of the last movie, but really for the first time in all his glory, Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099. Man, just me- as we were reviewing yeah. the book last week let me tell you that opening sequence where he's fighting uh you know renaissance vulture and you see them break through the ceiling and you only see the shadow from the light of him pulling out his fangs to fucking bite his throat i was like oh my god me and like three other dudes in theater were like oh my god he's about to do it they kept the vampire thing Mm -hmm. yeah and i like how they really highlighted the differences of the spider-man like the the vampire like fangs thing which is an integral part of miguel o'hara's character and i did like how they positioned him sort of as the villain here but again not really a villain more just like the hero who's doing what he has to do doing things he doesn't even think he wants to do because of what he's gone through because of the experience he had uh where he replaced a miguel o'hara of another universe and that fucked everything up and resulted in the entire wiping out of entire universe so as much as he might want to do the right thing and he doesn't want to stop miles and imprison miles and, and take him out of the equation he sees no option because to him if he doesn't do that not only is miles going to be gone a whole universe is going to be gone and then maybe the whole multiverse. So you can understand you, even though you're sort of rooting for miles, cause he's the underdog and he's the one It's not really, it's not his fault that he was bit by this. Miguel is not acting irrationally. He's not acting irrationally. You can completely understand why he's doing what he's doing. You might even say he's doing the right thing, depending on your perspective. So that, I really like what they did with the character um, while still positioning him as they positioned him in such a way that you're, you are rooting against my, you are rooting for miles against him. And you, of course you want miles to win, but they're doing it in a way that they, they still kind of make you like him and they still kind of make you think he's really badass. So in the next movie, when they do come together, because you know they're going to, and there's going to be some moment where Miguel saves Miles and they're all good and they com- come together against the spot or maybe some other villain uh, that gets brought into this if there's not enough already. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to make for an even better moment because of all the buildup and the tension between them. Yeah, completely agree. So those are my three. Well, who's your favorite? Your favorite was Spider- Spider-Punk? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was Spider-Punk, Ben Riley, and then Spider-Man 2099. Yeah. And then what I was thinking throughout the movie was, man, are they really not going to bring in any of those original Spider-Man characters besides Peter B. Parker? Uh, and then, of course, because idiot me didn't know there was a part two, spoiler alert, at the end when Gwen assembles her her own team, it is, of course, all of our familiar faces from the first film coming together. Spider-Pig. Spider-Pig, Spider-Man Spider Noir, Noir, who I do hope they, they better bring back Cage for that because I knew they said they weren't bringing him back for this, but that's because they didn't have, they probably just didn't want to pay him just to not talk and there's no reason yeah. to, you know, no reason to give him one line. We know who he is. So they better bring back Cage uh, for Spider-Man Noir for real uh, next time uh so i'm really like they, they did this in a way that yes i can complain about some things uh the demasculation of, of peter b parker a little too much for me like i don't mind him being the character he is a little bit of like the goofy version of peter parker but does he really need to be wearing a pink bathrobe the whole time that was a little too far for me i, think. I had a weird toy line written all over it like i don't need what like why yeah, yeah. why does this baby have a web shooter and why do you bring your baby around even if they're a spider baby like it's not like he's a single dad he's got he's got a hot version a hot white version of mary i'm not saying those are the same thing but in this <laughs> case they are a hot white version of mary, of mary jane at home who can do a great job taking care of the kid i don't know why he has to bring the spider kid around except 
like you said, toy line. You got to put the spider baby and the Peter B. Parker. Yeah, you're right. Exactly yeah. what it is. Uh, I could have done without making his character look so stupid, but I guess in a way, at the end, Miles kind of does outsmart everybody. He does get away. And as he said, I guess it wasn't such a bad mentor after all. So uh, I did enjoy everything. I mean, everything involving the interaction with Peter B. Parker and the other characters just felt like you just could have taken the bathrobe off, really. It was just it's just a little too much of like pushing the this guy's kind of a bum thing when he's really not. He really is as heroic as the other characters. Yeah. Um sorry, everything <sighs> just kind of got weird for me. So uh yeah, yeah nice. no, I mean I thought I think that was it. Um just they they did such a good job with it. You want to go ahead and jump into ratings? Am I ready for ratings? Let me think. Is there anything I want to complain about? You know, you know how I like to complain. I think I've complained about everything I can complain about. Cause because even as much as the points I I mentioned today, the fact is this is a really enjoyable movie. And at least if it was a little too long, it wasn't dreadfully too long. I did feel it was too long. There's things that could be cut out, there's things that could have been streamlined, uh, but it's not eternals too long. It's just you could have done this a little tighter too long. That being said, I think, hmm, 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 what should I do? We're just going to go straight out of 10 on this. I think given the points, I, I think overall, the first movie is a better movie, even though this one feels cooler in so many ways, because there's like kind of cooler animation. There's more going on. Uh, there's more characters. There's more of the Spider-Verse. As a, as a self-contained movie, I think the first one is a little better. And I'd probably give the first one like a nine. So why don't I give this an 8.5? I'm going to put it just below What's the first one into the spider verse? I can't, I can't keep track the first spider verse. I'm just going to put this just below it. And I probably need to see this a couple more times before I can further sort of, you know, maybe, maybe my view will be different down the road, but I just think that the first one's more of a complete movie. Well, I mean quite literally, because this is a part one of part two, this yeah. has to be continued at the end. So there, that always leaves something a little bit lacking, but at the same time, my quibbles are quibbles and this is a fun fucking movie. Like this is a blast. This is awesome. If you've been a Spider-Man fan your whole life, you're going to fucking love this movie. It's only people like me who I want to be honest with you. And I always want to bring, bring it for real. So I'm going to give you the points that stuck in my head as I don't know about this or that, but at the end of the day, it's a blast. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it an 8.5. That's just because I, you know, I think that's still a pretty damn high rating. Is that high enough though for it? Fuck it. It's a nine. You know what? Because the art, the animation art is so stellar and so so above board that I think whatever whatever it might take away from the first movie, it's regained by the incredible art. You're right. So I'm I would pr- probably give them both just a nine. They're just both both great movies. Yeah, and I'm going above nine for hardly any movies. That's like that's reserved for like the top five movies of all time. You know. Yeah, and I'm gonna give this a nine as well. My only criticism that will keep it from a ten is the fact that there's a cliffhanger ending, and if it was a if it was a synced story. Uh, much like the first film, I probably would have gone 10. But, uh, you know, I mean, apart from my criticisms, the 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 pacing, the animation style, the casting, the way that they chose which characters they were going to do, I thought I think was fantastic. This is the must see movie of the summer. If you have not been to theaters yet, you have to go see this. I'd say go see it in IMAX. If I had to see this again, I'd see it in IMAX because this is just a crazy fun movie. Question, Remzo, did you have a weird sound issue with the beginning? Of the I, I did. There were multiple points where you hear characters talking and my wife and I would look at each other in theater and we're like, can you not hear what they said? Apparently, there was a sound discrepancy. Mm-hmm. So what Sony has had to do was they they fixed it and they sent out an updated version to all the theaters playing it. So basically, if you saw it before, like last Tuesday, um, you will hear that in certain big fight scenes, that character dialogue is muffled. That was causing a lot of concerns for people. So they went ahead and uh, adjusted it. 
I wonder if you can get it. I bet, I bet you could. I know I could because I'm good with the managers. If you saw it, saw it once and want to see it again, you could probably go, hey, I saw this before, but it, the sound was so bad and I heard it's better now. Can I get the free ticket? I guarantee yeah. any manager is going to give you the free ticket. Oh, yeah. Because you're going to end up buying enough food to justify it anyway. Exactamente. So, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, we are here. We are here to give it to you real, to give it to you raw, to give you the real shit, which also means, all right, I can't just gloss over everything. I can't just tell you this was just the greatest thing on God's green earth with no flaws. There are flaws. There are things I would change. There are things I don't like. There are things that rubbed us the wrong way. But at the end of the day, we're also here to have fun. And this is a fun ass fucking movie. So the quibbles are quibbles. The points are points. Uh, Take them for what you will. But if you're a comics fan, if you're someone who's who listens to this show and it makes it this far into an episode of the show, then you're going to love this movie at the end of the day, whether or not you agree with our, our points or not. This is something you can uh, continue the conversation with in the second print comics fan zone, our forum where everybody who joins our Patreon can jump in, join the conversation, uh, patreon.com slash second print pod. That is for the people that love hearing us and seeing us talk about comics so much that for some reason they also pay us money to do so. I don't get it, but they do it. Oh, and I want to go ahead and give a special shout out to our friends at Fox and Sons Coffee. Mark, yes. by the time we do this show, we've we've got to handle all our other stuff. We've got a whole bunch of tasks for our day for our week. So we need the energy to keep going. I have our Den Blend bag of beans, and my wife and I have been brewing that freaking daily since I went ahead and got our, uh, my first bag from our good friend Stephen Fox from Fox and Sons Coffee. It's a family-owned business. They've got plenty of stuff. And folks, if you haven't known about it now, you do because they got a subscription model. So that way, you can go ahead and get that new bag of coffee shipped to your house once a month, however much you want to do it. Foxandsons.com. Go ahead and use promo code Second Print Pod and save 15% off your order of $25 or more. That's Second Print Pod for 15% off your order of $25 or more. Boom. There you go. And uh, this mug right here, full of Brazilian honey prep. So there's a lot of great options there. Uh, also, if you get it, once you try our sample, you use our discount code, get your sample. Uh, you're going to want to go ahead and get the subscription to that two pound bag because Steven is also going to give you four bucks a month off the already very fantastic price for that bag. So you really can't go wrong. Foxandsons.com. Renzo, why don't you take us out? Remember, if there's nothing else you could do, it's short, it's sweet, it's simple. It rolls off the tongue. It's read comics and change, and change the, the world. world. Good night, America. Buenas noches. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.